0: We're talking about God is blank. It's the sermon series that we're working on this month. And and what I want you to do is this whole month, I want you to think about that. When you hear the title, the word God is, what does that mean to you? What is it that you fill in that blank with? Today we're gonna be talking about God is a God of opportunity. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says this: every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. You know, like I said earlier in my prayer, we we honor our moms today during Mother's Day. And seriously, for those of you who came for your mom today, I'm excited for you. I am. Thank you for coming and honoring her. But today, we really and truly want to honor God and the fact that He is a God of opportunity. So today, what we're going to be doing, we're going to be focusing on the book of Esther. If you'll look at this with me, turn to Esther chapter 2. And we're going to be reading there first. Pretty much the whole text is going to come from Esther today. Esther chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. A lot of reading here, bear with me, you need it, okay? So here's what it says. It says, after Xerxes' anger had subsided, he began thinking about Vashti and what she had done and the decree he had made. So his personal attendants suggested, let us search the empire to find beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint agents in each province to bring these beautiful young women into the royal harem at the fortress of Susa. Haggai, the king's eunuch in charge of the harem, will see that they are all given beauty treatments. After that, the young women who most pleases the king will be made queen instead of Vashti. This advice was very appealing to the king, so he put the plan into effect. At the time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jer. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, was a descendant of Kish and Shimei. His family had been among those with King I always, I can't say that one, all right, of Judah. Who had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadasheth, who was called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. As a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other young women, was brought to the king's harem at the fortress of Susa and placed in Haggai's care. Hagar was very impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. He quickly ordered a special menu for her and provided her with beauty treatments. He also assigned her seven maids, specially chosen from the king's palace. And he moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Church, I want you to understand some. Today we're talking about God is a God of opportunity, man. And I love the book of Esther. As I was studying this, you'll probably see in the future a whole sermon series from the book of Esther. But as we're talking about God being a God of opportunity, I want you to understand today, listen to me, church, today doesn't have to look like yesterday. Today does not have to look like yesterday. We serve a God who is a God of opportunity. He loves to do different things, church. He loves to do different things in our lives. And, and so as we're going to be looking at the book of Esther today, I want you to know this story, it's a true Cinderella story. It really is. It is a Cinderella story. And if you would make the book of Esther into a movie, it'd be rated R. I promise you that. It would be a rated R movie. There's a, lots of things in it. But this today, we're going to be focusing on a rags to riches story. Rags to riches so we got a jewish orphan girl who gets promoted to queen she gets promoted to queen not just a queen we're talking the queen of the superpower of that time see but see this promotion didn't just save her life it also saved her people's lives so, this is not just a fairy tale church. It, it is truly part of history. And her legacy, church, her legacy is about life and her legacy is about liberty and being set free. See, there's only two books of the Bible that are named after women, but Esther, in the book of Esther, Esther is a book that you don't even hear God's name mentioned and it isn't even referenced. So I thought about this for a minute. Think about this. You know, if if God was the one who ordained his book, and he did, we know that, why would he allow a book to be written to be put in his word where his name is not even mentioned? Maybe there's a reason in there, church, and so this is completely, completely my thought process. Maybe because there's gonna be moments in your life, church, moments in my life, where God is nowhere to be found. Think about that for a minute. You, maybe you're a very mature Christian, you're like, God's always been in my life, he's always here. Okay, buckle up, because there's gonna be a moment, right, you live a little longer, that he won't, you won't always see his presence. See, there'll be a time where, where you say, or maybe you already said it, maybe you're saying it right now, like, where are you at, God, or I don't feel you, I don't see you, I, I don't hear you right now. Where are you at, God? Where are you at? So this morning, I want you to think about this. Do you ever find yourself in a situation, church? you ever find yourself in that situation where you're like judging God? You know what I'm talking about? You're, you're judging him? You think God's misbehaving towards you? Where you're like, you know, God, why didn't you take care of this for me? Right? Or, or, or why are things this way? Or why didn't you do what I wanted you to do, God? You know what I want. You say you know the desire in my heart, and you didn't take care of this for me. Where are you, God, because you seem invisible to me? Church, this invisibleness, I personally think God wants us to learn something from it. When you can't feel him, when you can't see him, when you can't hear him, this invisibleness, he wants you to learn something from it. See, there's a theological term that deals with God's invisibleness, and it's providence. Providence providence. I want to give you the biblical definition of providence today. It's God's faithful activity throughout history to provide for his creation and accomplish his will. That's God's providence. See, God oftentimes, what he'll do is he'll be in the background controlling the foreground church. He's in the background controlling what's out front. And there will be moments in your life, moments in my life, that will seem like God's not around at all. You don't think He's there. But here's what I want to tell you this morning, church. You must trust in His providence. He's there. You have to trust in His providence. God is sovereign, church. He is in control. He, he, God isn't up in heaven. He's not worrying about things like you and I do. God isn't up in heaven going, I'm so worried about the political climate in the United States of America. No, he's not sitting there worrying about, you know, the, the economy's tanking. What, what, what's going to happen? Nothing surprises God at all. He doesn't worry about those things. There's never been a time where God, like, jumps back, like, whoa, that caught me off guard. God is sovereign. He's in control. Sovereign, church, is what God wants to happen. Hear me out this morning. Sovereign is what God wants to happen. Providence is how God makes it happen. Hear that out, okay? Sovereign is what God wants to happen. Providence is how he makes it happen. And so I believe Esther is in the Bible because there are moments, church, where you can't trace God, right, in our lives. There's moments where you can't trace God, but you've got to trust God. You have to trust that he's there. So here's what I want to tell you this morning. You have to stand firm. You have to stand firm in the belief that he is in the background controlling at church, that he's in the background controlling, and there'll be a time where you've got to completely trust him. You know, a lot of people, they'll trust in like maybe their spouse. They trust in their checkbook. If you got some money, maybe you're trusting in your checkbook. You're trusting in, in, in maybe the government. You're trusting in somebody. But, but listen, there's going to be a time where you can't trust any of that. Maybe some of you are already going through that right now. Where you have to finally just draw the line and say, you know what? Lord, I got to trust you. You know, I give you my children. Lord, I'm trusting you. Because it's a mess right now. Lord, I, I give you my health. Father, I give you my, my health. I'm trusting you, Lord. that that what is best that you will see it happen. And so sometimes you can't trace God, church, but you have to trust him. I want you to go back with me a little bit in Esther chapter one now. In Esther chapter one. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 3, and it goes like this. It says, These events happened in the days of King Xerxes, who reigned over 127 provinces, stretching from India to Ethiopia. And at the time, Xerxes ruled his empire from the royal throne at the fortress of Susa. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. He invited all the military officers of Persia and Medina, sorry, Media. Media, there it is, as well as the princes and the nobles of the provinces. So here's what we got, church, right now. We got Xerxes. He's the king. Xerxes is the king, and the Jews have been conquered, okay? They've been taken away into slavery, and they're living under the thumb, under the rule of the Babylonians and the Assyrians, and so Esther, Esther, her lifetime, it is about the same time as Nehemiah and Ezra. If you're not familiar with those two, right? Ezra took some people and said, hey, we're going to go rebuild the temple. Nehemiah took some people. Hey, we're going to go rebuild the wall, right, of Jerusalem. And, but here's what happened. Esther, she stayed behind. She stayed behind. And so the king of Persia, King Xerxes, he decides he's going to throw a party. Check out verses 4 and 5 of Esther chapter 1. It says, The celebration lasted 180 days of a tremendous display of the opulent wealth of his empire and the pomp and splendor of his majesty. When it was all over, the king gave a banquet for all the people, from the greatest to the least, who were in the fortress of Susa. It lasted for seven days and was held in the courtyard of the palace garden. Church, I want to tell you something this morning. There ain't no party like a Persian party. Seven days long. For those of you who used to live the party lifestyle, right? Or maybe you still are living it. You got to repent of that. We can talk about that later. This party lasted seven days. In, in the Persian empire, right? In this empire, it's the world dominating superpower at that time. And the king is throwing this amazing party. And the king had a queen. Her name was Vashti. And so as he set aside this time for partying, I mean, he's throwing this huge party church. It was a seven-day rager, okay? It was opulent. I'm talking very wealthy. This, This king... If you really dig into this, I mean, this guy had so much wealth. It says to this, at this party, everybody was drinking out of gold goblets and not one of them was identical. It was a big deal. And the king had a rule, too. The king had this rule that you can drink as much as you want. There was was no limit, okay? So on the seventh day of the party, the king, he's high on wine, okay? And he sent for his wife Vashti. He sent for his wife Vashti, and he said, hey, I want you to come up to the party now. He wanted to show her off a little bit, okay? And the Bible tells us this. Vashti was throwing her own party. She had her own friends. She had her own crowd. And when the king sent word, hey, I want you up here, she went, "Uh uh-uh. Nope, I've got my own gig going on down here. I have my own party. I, I don't need to come up there. See, the king wanted to show her off, and she said no. So the king, of course, was ticked. So he pulls all his advisors together, and he says this. Here's the situation. The advisors saw this to be a big problem. You know why? Because if Vashti can disobey the king, that meant their wives could disobey them. So they decided to set a decree the advisors told King Xerxes they said listen you set a decree and it goes like this Vashti can no longer be in the king's presence ever but also all the Persian wives must obey their husbands so they made a law and mind you the king had been drinking for seven days and this guy thought it was a very good time to make a relationship decision Bad move on his part, right? So he banished Vashti. Chapter 2. So if if you go on to chapter 2, and I read it to you at the very beginning. So the advisor says, you know what? She no longer allowed for you. We're going to get you a beautiful brand new wife, younger model. We're going to hold a beauty pageant, first beauty pageant ever to be held. And we are going to bring all these women in to pick you a brand new queen. Now check out how God works, church. This is wild out of all the women in the land, all the women that they sent out to come in for this beauty contest, they find a Jewish girl, which they did not know she was Jewish, meant she was a slave, and her name is Esther. See, Esther, she was an orphan who was selected. You know, both of her parents are dead. She had nobody, but she was selected because of God's favor in her life, church. God's favor. And all because of this, she stepped out of the lowest class in the land at that time into a role of power as the queen. All of of this because God gave her an opportunity, church. Church, you realize as believers, you and I, here's how it works. We must be able to distinguish between good opportunities and God opportunities. We struggle with that, don't we? There's good opportunities, and there's God opportunities, and not every opportunity that comes down your way is a good one. Not every single one of them is a good one. Not every open door should you walk through, church. You should not walk through every open door, because it's not always good. It's not always good. We live in a world today, the world will tell you this, if it's quick, if it's immediate and if it's fast, must be good. That's what I want. That's not necessarily true. And I personally believe this morning, church, I believe that God is knocking on every single one of you guys' door. Seriously, he's knocking on your door. So today what I want to do is give you three good points of God opportunities. The very first one is this. God opportunities can look like obstacles. God opportunities can, always, can sometimes look like obstacles. Often God will give you this opportunity, and all of a sudden as you kind of open up and you start looking at it, ooh, too much. Too much work there, right? You know, look at Esther, right? She was an orphan. She was an absolute orphan. She was a slave living in another land, and it was hard. Have any of you ever traveled outside of this country? We are truly a blessed people even at the worst we are blessed you know i, I had an opportunity I, I went to belarus it was one of the former states of the the ussr and i remember being there and it was difficult number one i didn't speak the language they, they were talking about me while they were looking at me i knew one word i knew They were talking about me. I'd hear them say it. They were looking at me. They were talking about me, and I didn't know what they were saying. It was difficult. And then just to look at how oppressed the land was. So imagine Esther. She's a slave living in another land. But here's what's wild, church. She was a woman of God. She was living and operating in a land surrounded by heathens. It's not when your mama said the neighbor is a heathens. These people were heathens. Big time. And see... These are obstacles. These were obstacles for her, but she still started her journey. She still started the journey that God called us, called her on. So many of us in our lives, church, you know what we do? Is we focus too much what has happened to us in our lives instead of what can happen in our future. I did a whole sermon series on about eight years ago. You know, when you're driving your car, you got a rear view mirror. And you know what too many of you guys do in your life? You're constantly staring in your rearview mirror. You live your life staring in the rearview mirror. What happened in the past? How you were wrong? What someone did this to you? Someone did that to you? And so think about this. When you're driving your car, you don't drive your car staring in the rearview mirror. You're going to wreck. That rearview mirror was put up there for you to take a quick glance of what's behind you or what passed you. Not to be staring at it. So in our lives, church, we got to stop focusing on what happened to us and start looking forward to the future, what can happen. You know, and too many of us, we're we're fixated. We're fixated on these challenges, the challenges that await us. You know what? Someone presents an opportunity and we get that disease. It's called the yeah, but disease, right? (laughs) Yeah, they, they, they're presenting something. And you're going, yeah, but that can't happen. Yeah, but I got to do this. Yeah, but, right? You got the yeah, but disease. I just came on the top of my head. That's messed up. <laughs> but listen, so many of us in our lives, we're focusing in the wrong way. It's important to us as believers. It's very important for us as believers to see our mission. To see the mission that God has called you to, and when it's from God, I want you to know it has to be bigger than your sorrows. The mission that God has called you on has to be bigger than your sorrows. You know, every one of your deficiencies, we've all got deficiencies, right? We all got problems, we all got issues. It shouldn't stop you. Your deficiencies should not stop you from being efficient for your God. Should never stop you from that. And so opportunity, the opportunity that God is knocking on your door with, you gotta stop being too busy. And you know what most of us are busy with? God's knocking? You're complaining about the noise of the knock. You are you're complaining about that noise of that knock. You know, my marriage is never gonna get better you got an opportunity for it to get better. Nobody ever gives me a chance. I never get a chance in life. you got an opportunity for a chance. Nobody sees my potential. God sees your potential, church. You know, everything that comes out of your mouth designs your current situation and your future. Everything. And some of you, all you're doing is speaking death into your life and into your future. You know, Esther, she had a a huge opportunity and it came from God. God was knocking on her door. See, but she had to decide. Esther had to decide this, to get to work or do I complain about the noise? Do I get to work doing what God has called me to do or do I complain about this noise? Thomas Edison, I read a really cool quote from Thomas Edison last week. It says this, too many people miss opportunity because it shows up dressed in overhauls and it looks like work. And we don't like that, do we? That opportunity, we want to be easy. Second point is this, opportunities are delivered through people. A lot of times, the opportunities from God are delivered to you by and through people. God will deliver that to you. You know that thing that you ordered on Amazon on Monday that you're ticked off because it didn't get there on Tuesday yet, right? Somebody got to bring that to you. You ordered it, but now somebody has to deliver that to you. It doesn't just magically appear. Somebody has to deliver it. And many times, God delivers us opportunities through people. I love what James says. James says this. He tells us that God is the father of good gifts, right? Man, you want to read a good book, read James. God is the father of good gifts. But yet, church, they've got to be delivered, right? So you got Esther. There's this orphan girl in the streets, soon to be queen. But it was because Xerxes chose her. See, listen, God was sending the opportunity, but King Xerxes, God chose him to deliver it. And that's how our God works. I believe as followers of Jesus Christ, you know what? I've learned this about Christians. I'm one too, by the way, okay? I've learned this, that we are like the biggest bridge burners there are. We burn up so many opportunities, don't we? We do. We burn up these opportunities in our lives. And instead, you know what? Do you realize something, church? We have been forgiven from so much. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven of so much that instead of being the biggest bridge burners, we should be the biggest bridge builders, church, because you've been forgiven. You build those bridges, right? You build those bridges, not just like to the, one, the people that think like us, right? We, we expect everybody to think exactly like us. I know I do. All of you people should think exactly like me. I'm joking. Don't. It'll scare you. But we won't align ourselves with people that don't think like us, right? We should be building bridges not only to the people that think like us, but also the people who are far from God. But you got to be careful with that, church. Are you strong enough to do that? You don't line yourself with people who are far from God unless you can handle that. Because sometimes they'll pull you down. So God, what he did is God used a secular king to provide for Esther. And Esther, she has a cousin, right? I mentioned it to you earlier, Mordecai. And what Mordecai does is he counsels her. He counsels her through this time. And as he counsels and coaches her, more opportunities continue to come her way. It's like this. It's an alignment, church. It's an alignment. Alignment is often way more important than the assignment. I want you to understand that. Who is it that you're aligning yourself with today? Who you're trying to position yourself with today? Is it the right kind of people? People. Church, if you want to grow deeper in your walk with God, you don't have to do it alone. You really don't. For those of you who are trying to do it alone, man, you are truly missing out. This thing's making me crazy. (laughs) Hold on. There it is, maybe. Sorry, Brennan. If you want to grow deeper in your walk with God, you, you, you can't do it alone. Do you realize that God has provided you with people to walk with? I want you to look around this room today. God's providing people for you to walk with, right? You know, you want to grow deeper, get involved in a Bible study. You really should. He will send those people to align yourself with. If you, you, if you're trying to position yourself all by yourself, you're not going to go far, Church. If you wanna grow deeper, you don't have to do it alone. God provides you people to walk with. You join a class, you join a Bible study. Align yourself with the right people. And so this morning, I'm asking you this, who are you walking with? I want you to think about that for a minute. Who are you walking with? Do you realize when you are with like-minded, people of the same faith as you, do in life, God's gonna give you more opportunities. He will. My third point to you today is this, opportunities widen for those who patiently wait and prepare. Opportunities will widen for those who patiently wait and prepare. You know, sometimes, I believe, all of us, we look at the Bible wrong. You really do. You'll read a whole chapter. A chapter might take you 10 minutes to read it, and you're like, oh, wow, okay. Do you realize that maybe that chapter took years? That's not how it happened. It didn't all happen in 10 minutes. It took years for it to unfold. In real life, real life takes time and patience. Time and patience. What most of us don't have, we don't have the patience. I want you to read with me. Check this out. Esther chapter 2. In Esther chapter 2 verse 16 and 17 it says this, Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace in early winter of the seventh year of his reign and the king loved Esther more than any other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. Do you realize from chapter 1 to chapter 2 church there there are four years. See, Queen Vashti, she was banished, no longer could even look at the king. In four years after the beauty pageant, there is Esther standing before the king. I'm talking about four years of beauty treatments, the Bible tells us, right? Beauty treatments. Before she could even set eyes on King Xerxes, man, that must have been a lot of spa treatments in four years. and some of you you're living your life right now and you got this God dream seriously listen to me please this morning listen you got a God dream and some of you because it didn't happen quickly you gave up you're like oh man the, the opportunity i guess passed me or or you know what maybe maybe it's you know, maybe i heard god wrong so, you just give up on this dream that, that God gave you. I want to tell you something, church. The same thing I tell the staff all the time. Same thing I tell the staff all the time. It is a marathon, not a sprint. Everybody wants to sprint. I want to be over quick. But it's a marathon, it's long, it's hard. My son Joshua ran a marathon just recently in. 26 miles. And I'm like, man, what's wrong with you? Right? But you know what? He's trained for years for that marathon. For years, he, he, he would train. And the same is with you and I, church. When God gives you a dream, he, he might put you in that training pattern. He might be preparing you. Don't think it's a sprint that's going to happen fast. It could take long and hard time. And church, the bigger the promise, sometimes the longer you got to wait. The bigger the promise God makes you, the longer you may have to wait. Time, time doesn't disqualify the promise, church. It validates the promise. It validates that. You know, when I, April 1st was actually my 11th year in ministry at the church. April Fool's, by the way, right? <laughs> 11 years. No, that's. But I remember right before I took the job, I was petrified. God made it clear to me. Someday I will tell you that complete story. He made it clear, and I'm like, I don't think so. And he said, I know so. And I did it, and I was scared to death. And there was a woman at this church, Mabel Reed. Some of you knew her. Wonderful woman of God. She knew God's word. And she came up to me, and she said this. She said, God told me your ministry is going to be really big. There was about 125 people in the church. She said, it's going to be very big. It's going to reach thousands, and it's going to spread out on a long space, very big distance. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) why are you telling me that? And I look at what, listen, this is what God has done, church. It ain't me. When you look at what God has done in that time and what he laid Mabel was the messenger, right? She delivered that message. And then God said, all right, because I'm an instant guy, man. I seriously, I want it right now. And God said, it's going to take time. But God is faithful. You look at where God has grown the church, and he isn't done yet, church. And so you and I, you know what we have to do? We must learn patience. Patience, right? You've heard this before. Patience is a virtue. And your ability to wait matters. Some of you guys are like, I ain't got no patience. I know you don't. Neither do I. But see, patience is not the ability to wait, church. Patience is the ability to wait with the right attitude. That's what patience is. Are you waiting with the right attitude? Are you expecting? Are you paying attention? God, what are you doing? So you are going to wait one way or another. So it's up to you. How do you want to wait? Are you going to wait with a miserable attitude or are you going to wait with the right attitude so that God can bless you? And how you wait determines everything. It determines everything. So whether in the mountaintop high or down in the valley church, you have to learn patience. And so this morning, I'm asking you again, are you prepared? Are you prepared this morning for God to give you the opportunity that you've been dreaming about? Are you prepared for it you've been dreaming this dream for so long like God I want you to do this God will you take care of this God will you send this to me and you're dreaming this dream out loud but are you prepared for the opportunity right now that you've been dreaming about will you be ready when God here it is are you gonna be ready for that will you be ready when he knocks on your door Church, you realize that we should be living like God is already doing what we're waiting for? You should be living, you should be living. Let me say that right. You should be living like God is already doing what you're waiting for. That's how we should be living. So I ask you this morning, what are you waiting for? What is it that you are waiting for? Some will say, you know what? I'm waiting to have peace. Once I get married, I'll have some peace. No, you won't. promise you, you won't. Maybe you're sitting there saying, you know what, I will gain confidence once I get this job or once I get promoted on this team, whatever it might be for you. I will gain confidence. No, you won't. No, you won't. I've heard this one. I will speak faith once I get my miracle. That's opposite church. That's not what faith is. You should be living like God is already doing what you're waiting on. That's how you should be living your life. If you stay ready, church, then you don't have to get ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And so Esther, going back to her, she started living like the queen before she became the queen. She knew God's calling. So this morning, I tell you what, stop wasting time. Stop it. Stop wasting time. Do you realize that God is knocking on your door right now? He's knocking, but are you waiting on a feeling? Some of you, you're waiting on a feeling, I wanna feel it. Do you realize your feelings are so deceiving? Your feelings are deceiving. Are you wasting time or are you preparing this morning? Are you preparing for what God wants to do? Church, don't waste a moment. Don't waste your, your opportunity. Don't waste your failures. The things that you failed at, man, that's a lesson to learn, right? Don't waste your mistakes. We've all made mistakes, right? But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, those mistakes have been forgiven. Don't waste that. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste your hurt. This morning, I want to encourage you, you surrender it to God, and you start living like he is doing what you're waiting for. Start living like he is doing what you're waiting for. Esther lived like the queen before she became the queen. She didn't need a crown to remind her, church. She didn't need a crown to remind her that she is a child of God, that she is a queen, and that God is doing something. Church, every single one of us, we have a purpose. I've got a purpose, you've got a purpose. Do you realize not only do you have a purpose, you've got a destiny. God has a destiny for you. He has a destiny for you. And Esther, man, God had a destiny for her, and I love this verse. If you got nothing out of the service today, please pay close attention. Esther chapter four, verse 14, it says this, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place but you and your relatives will die. And here's my favorite part. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. This morning as I call the praise team up here, I want you to think about something. Maybe God has been preparing you. Maybe God has been preparing you for such a time is this the calling on your life is for such a time is this the destiny for your life is for such a time is this God is preparing his people are you listening or are you wasting time you know opportunities from God they're always bigger than you they really are they're always bigger than you you know, I, I hear people all the time like, you know what, I'll get saved. As soon as I get a little bit better, I'll get saved. You know, I, I'll work harder at it. I'll, I, I'll learn some verses. Man, the day that I quit lying, that, that's when I'll get saved. Listen, church, you can't do that on your own. Opportunities from God are always bigger than you. It has nothing about what you can do. It's all about what he did by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. So this morning, I want you to realize the opportunity for a brand new life, the opportunity for salvation, the opportunity for redemption, it's way bigger than you. You can't handle it on your own. It has to come through Jesus Christ. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, he said, I'm the only way to heaven. Nobody gets to the Father except through me that's what Jesus said so you have to accept him so this morning I want to tell you one of the biggest opportunities that God is knocking on every single person's life on your door is to be saved because there's no other way to get to heaven church I've seen with all the funerals that I've done in my career I've seen believers and their families you know a believer dies and I watch how that family handles it and then I see the people who don't know and that person passes and how everybody handles it the family they're not believers either and they handle it completely different I don't know how anybody makes it through life without knowing the saving grace of Jesus Christ so this morning maybe you don't know him I want to encourage you that you were made for such a time as this so if that's for you this morning, I want to encourage you to come forward, Kim. Some of the elders, they'll be up here. They'll pray with you. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to be perfect. You, you, you don't have to you know, reach a certain level in the Bible before you can get saved. You can do it today. And for the rest of you believers this morning, I want to encourage you. You start living your life as though God is already doing what you've been praying for. See, God, church, doesn't bless you to bless you he doesn't god doesn't bless you so you can say oh a blessing from god and then you hoard it god blesses you so that you can bless others and so if you're already a believer in jesus christ you take your blessing and you share it with somebody else and one of the biggest things you should be sharing is your salvation All right. so how about it church let's stand together and let's sing but i want to encourage you to respond